Let me just recap us. A dare. What about dad? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What a dad. What about dad? Hello, everybody. Hello. I am back. It's Jen. Uh, Adara will not be with us tonight. It's just going to be you, me, a can of Down East Cider talking about Winona Earp, Season 3, Episode 10, The Other Woman. But before we get into it, I have a very important announcement to make. Probably the most important announcement I've ever made on this little cast. So, Adara and I, we've gone and made it official. No, not shotgun wedding official, but close. This year, we are hosting the official Winona Earp Manhattan Season 3 Finale Viewing Party, Episodes 11 and 12. At where, you may ask? Well, that's going to be at the Blue Haven Bar, which is on West Houston, from 7 to 11 p.m. And we are planning a ton of fun little things that are going to consist throughout the evening. So starting at 7, we're going to have a little meet and greet. At 8 o'clock, we're going to be doing a live cast where if you have any questions, a subject matter you want us to talk about, uh, please tweet us at whatabout underscore dat. And we will bring that up on the cast. And this is really an opportunity for us to meet you and for you to meet us and for fellow Erpers to come together and nerd out over their favorite subject matter, sci-fi, western sci-fi. Uh, we're really, really looking forward to this. This is our first podcast event and it's taken a while for us to get to this point, but which is why we're so excited for it and we've planned just a great evening. There's going to be trivia, there's going to be bingo, there's going to be donuts there's going to be drinks and for for people who don't drink there's going to be water there's going to be dinner but we're not paying for that you have to buy it at the bar um but fortunately this this location is it's really fun it's in a nice part it's in a really fun part of it, uh, manhattan the greenwich village and there's going to be four flat screens with winona earp's beautiful face playing on it all night long so please 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 come join us if you are someone who watches alone, we are here for you. We are your people. Do not be shy. Come out and join us. And uh, we would love to have you. We'd love to meet you. We love just to commiserate over the season together. All right. So now I'm going to move into it, move into this specific episode. And there is just so much to unbox. My first overall impression of this episode was that they have done a really good job of getting us where we need to be moving into these last two finale episodes. The show, I mean, the writers of the show. At the beginning of the season, I felt like there were so many characters and a ton of plot lines and what they've really done well is they've sewn it all together into this penultimate crisis where it feels like everybody has an important part to play and sometimes when you have a large ensemble some characters kind of drift behind into the into the background 
And I don't feel like that is the case with this show. I feel like everybody is actually pretty important. If anything, the only character I think who I haven't seen enough of this season all year long, the only character who I think might have drifted into the background for me a little bit is the vampire Kate character. Um, but other than that, I think that Waverly's got a huge part to play. Winona's got a huge part to play. I loved the amount of Jeremy and Robin in this episode. I love, and I feel like I'm really enjoying seeing their storyline every week and their partnership. And it kind of reminds me of early Wade Hot, and I've, I've really enjoyed them on this season, bringing Robin in as, as a new character. So I think we're in a really good place. And overall, this episode I thought was a really good episode. I would probably give this a seven and a half. I feel like there's always room to grow, but we're getting there and every episode has just built on itself. So Wynonna. Now I'm going to start with her today because she is, she is the heir. She is the title character. She is our leading woman. Um, she's sacrificed a lot. She's sacrificed so much in her fight against evil. It's her family business. And that business has required to give her up effectually members of her family. Uh, her father died fighting the curse. Her sister also dead due to the due to the rising of evil and the fact that she was the original heir. Uh, her mother gone. Someone who has not been able to have she, that she's not been able to have a relationship with because of the curse. And now her daughter, last season, she had to give up because of this awful curse. She's, she hasn't been able to be in her daughter's life, raising her daughter like a mother should. Um, and now we have uh, Waverly. We, and the, at the end of this episode, it was revealed that the final stakes, the final thing that this wor the world has asked of Winona is to give up her sister. And this seems like a line too far for Winona because at the heart of everything, the heart of the show, it's always been this relationship between Waverly and Winona that has driven the show. And it's specifically Waverly that drives Winona's heart. So the notion that she would have to give up the last remnants of her heart seems like a lot to ask of someone. And I completely in that moment felt for Winona and I couldn't I couldn't get myself to to justify her making that last sacrifice. And two things really came up for me when I watched this. I am always making comparisons between the Earp sisters and the Danvers sisters. I always compare Alex Danvers and Kara to Winona and Waverly, and they are in no way alike, but I just can't help but think that I cover two shows, and both shows are about these strong, powerful sister relationships that are fighting the presence of evil in their world. And I think that I feel that specifically Winona and Waverly this season have just 
really brought that, and that's something that never gets lost in the storytelling of the show. So when we got to this place, when I got to the place where it was revealed that Waverly was going to be the final sacrifice, to me, there was a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. This is the hardest thing you could ask of Winona, for sure. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't all that surprised. I felt like intrinsically I felt that coming. I never made that prediction on this podcast, but I did feel that it made a lot of sense. And it is the greatest thing you could, th th it is the worst sacrifice Winona could make. So my thoughts on this is that in episode 11 and 12, this upcoming finale, do I think we are going to see Winona sacrifice Waverly? And by sacrifice, Waverly would become a stone, effectively. That seems to be what happened to her father. It seems that Julian is a stone somewhere in purgatory. Cause, because according to the mythology, we found out that's what happened to angels who guard the Garden of Paradise. Um, Julian Juan Carlo, it was revealed in this episode, were the guardians of paradise. Purgatory is paradise. It is where, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of archetypes in this episode. And so I, I had to think about this and I was, and it just feels like, this is my TV instinct talk talking right now, but I don't think, I don't see the show turning Waverly into a piece of stone. I don't think that's where we're gonna be with an end game. I just don't see it happening. And part of the reason why I don't is because this season we've already lost Dolls, who was a huge major character. And to lose another major character on the show in the finale, it would it feel it felt it feels like too much because the cast is not some huge Game of Thrones cast where there's like 20 or 30 characters and people get killed off weekly. This is, a, this is a relatively smaller cast and Waverly is kind of like the face of the franchise and I just don't see the way hot being broken apart. But I do think that in this finale we are going to have to see what kind of trials or tribulations, what things people give up to save Waverly. And that's where I was thinking that, I was thinking my prediction is that Bobo might be the sacrifice. He might get turned to stone instead of Waverly. They seem to have this connection. I am more curious than ever about the Waverly and Bobo connection. I feel like that is one of the secrets of the show that hasn't been made clear to me yet. And I wanna know still how they are kin. And so that is something that I'm really, th th that was something that an was a nerf in this episode that made me just curious to see where they're going with Bobo. I really like this character. I love Bobo. I've always felt like he is one of the characters that felt ripe to become a full-time cast member on the show. And rather than bring in somebody to replace dolls, I would have loved to seen Bobo's just, you know, gel right in there. To me, he's almost kind of like, you know, an orphan black. They have the crazy sister, the the crazy Russian sister. That's what Bobo kind of reminds me. The crazy Russian clone. I forget her name. It's, but yes, Bobo is like the crazy uncle at the party. 
and I, I enjoy him. I In this episode, one of my favorite scenes was between Robin and Bobo and the jazz music from Montreal. And I just loved the way that Bobo appreciated jazz music. It really showed his humanity in the moment. And, it, it, and this show has always done such a good job of casting him in the gray. I feel like they really seek to cast Doc in the gray and make us question what side or where his uh, loyalties lie. But I feel like Bobo, they actually kind of succeed at that even more so. Because I looked at this guy and I'm like, oh, he's crazy, he's gonna kill you. And then the other moment he's listening to Montreal jazz, jazz saxophone music and um, it was really great. And I, I've never thought to ship Robin or Bobo, but in that moment I was like, actually, I'm kind of feeling this couple. <laughs> I'm kind of feeling this as a couple. <laughs> Robin would be, and Bobo would be like the cutest thing in my eyes, please make that happen. Um, other moments in this episode that I thought were pretty great was the moment when Maeve uh, called uh, called Doc Wyatt Earp's boyfriend. And that was something that I that really actually the notion of Doc and Wyatt Earp being romantically entangled was something that I was really questioning in season one because I'm taking a cider sip just in case you all want to know. Mm. Okay, I feel like just need to replenish. But um, in, in, in terms of Doc and Wyatt Earp, I always thought that Doc and Wyatt Earp had some deep-seated love that existed in the 1800s and that there was a reason why Doc was so intertwined in the Earp family mythos. And I would always really wanted them to make Doc's have a love for Wyatt be a canon thing and this is probably as close to canon as I'm gonna get in terms of the show giving me some red meat to think over uh, for for a while so I really enjoyed that other moments and now last week I wasn't here to talk about it but let's talk about it Mercedes Widow I don't think I can ever not call her Mercedes Widow she probably has a last name but Mercedes Widow is back and better than ever and I was so excited about this that we got her in two episodes because Mercedes last season was a phenomenal she was a wonderful antagonist but before that she was even just kind of like um she was kind of like the the catty town high bitch who uh, challenged Winona on a level that she needed. She was that pedestrian presence in Purgatory, and I always thought that she'd be a great member of the Earp family. She's probably the Earp team Earp. She's probably one of the my top two or three nominations to stay on t Team Earp to fill the slot of dolls. So I was really happy to see her back. I was happy to see her face intact. I really love this actress. I think she just has such a range and her ability to play evil versus her ability to play like good and restored. And one of the f best part about seeing Mercedes was just seeing her and, you know, being Mercedes, moving back into her house, going on Tinder dates. 
I can't wait to see her. She's coming back in the next, in the finale, I guess, oh, probably in one of those episodes. And this is just an actress I feel should be coming back to the show on a returning level in the same capacity that Bobo should be returning. I, I actually could see Bobo being a full cast member and um, Mercedes being like a week to week one. Um, but it was great seeing Mercedes back in the world of Purgatory. This week, the big, the major conflict, and probably one of the most glorious entrances uh, to the show, the special guest of the week I'm talking about, Anna Silk, rips back a hazmat suit to reveal all the greatness that is Anna Silk. I really, really miss this woman on my TV in my eyes. And I've been doing a rewatch of Lost, Lost Girl. So seeing her was just really great. Seeing her was amazing. I had heard she was going to be on the show, but I never stopped to read any of the tidbits that come out in the news or any anything on her appearance. I really, really hope to see her interacting with Zoe Palmer when Zoe Palmer was on the show. I think that's probably the only disappointment I have, actually. I was hoping their characters would cross paths. And for some reason, I thought that Zoe Palmer would be the good guy and uh, Anna Silk would return and be the season's bad guy. And it kind of ended up being quite the opposite. We had a crazy demon Zoe Palmer and we have a world saver, Anna Silk. And it feels like Anna Silk's Kevin, the world saver, it feels so seamless. It feels as if she jumped out of the Lost Girl world and into this world. And it feels as if she could almost just be Bo. Bo, slightly in the future, a few years down the line, jumping out of the, the doll to go do some investigative work on a case in Purgatory. And I feel like you could almost just string both shows together and they could exist in the same world at the same time. Kevin, in fact, is Bo. And actually, I would love to see that happen. Somebody fanfiction that for me. Yeah, please do that. I'm making it happen right now in my brain. Um, but I really missed her. And in fact, if the Bobo jazz scene was one of my favorite scenes in, in this episode, and when I watch the scene, when I watch a scene, I always watch a scene for conflict. And I, and I, and I feel like for me as a writer, if I can't find the conflict in the scene, the scene doesn't exist. And I was looking for the conflict in that scene and I didn't really think it existed. So if it wasn't really a scene, because a conflict is, a scene is defined by its conflict, then it was a moment where you learn something about the character of Bobo. And I felt that was nearly the same in the scene we had with Anna Silk and the Pickles. And I felt that both of these moments, which tell you about a character, revealed something very interesting. And I really, really enjoyed the Anna Silk Pickle moment. I enjoyed the dry humor of that moment. And I enjoyed the comedy happening at the same... I enjoyed the comedy and the, and the drama happening at the same time in tandem. As, we reveal, as it's revealed that she's going to be the guide, if you will, to Waverly and Winona 
was going to lead them to a solution in solving, in finding a way to take down Balshar. And so she, Anasilk, her presence this week really surprised me. She's currently a world saver slash guide slash, I don't know, she's rather ambiguous. Not, not too much has been revealed about her. And I actually don't want to, I don't want to dig around. I just want to see what happens. And part of me, like I said, is still like hoping they'll bring Zoe Palmer back from the dead. Just kidding. Um, I'm not kidding. I, I really am hoping for that. So I think that what we found was that there was another way to kill Balshar. It was a weapon, which was in fact his own hand. And that could be used in lieu of Peacemaker to combat him. And Waverly and Wynona go on a quest to get it, to retrieve it out of a cave that's full of uranium, which is just sitting in purgatory, because of course it is. And along the way, we find out more of the mythology that is happening in this world. We And I want to just talk about that for a second. I want to just kind of talk about what my predictions are, because we found out a lot, and I like to throw a lot out there. And so far, we, Adair and I have been right about one thing, which was we were right about the ring of Balshar, and we were right that Waverly was an angel, and we were, we've been right so far. We've actually, we've been really, we've been really spot on this year about with our TV watching predictions. So I'm going to make a few more right now. So I think if you have the Garden of Eden being paradise lost or paradise, um, being a sanctuary, and this is, and you have all these archetypes, so you have the tower and you have guardians, you have two angels. So it, it makes me think that in this timeline, we need to see these kind of characters arrive and replay itself again. So I'm thinking that, I still think that Adam and Eve are Waverly and Nicole. I think that Balshar is clearly the devil or the fallen angel, Lucifer, snake, devil kind of coincides hand in hand um i think who but who this is what left me questioning who are the two angels that were guarding it who are the who and how are they going to amass in the world again so i was thinking if i had to say who the two angels are i would say they were bobo this time around and maybe doc because they seem to be polar opposites of them, each other, and they seem to be interconnected through time. Um, I'm really curious to see, I still think that we're gonna end with four weddings and no funeral. We're, we're gonna end with a way hot wedding. I just feel like that's where we're going. And I think that, I think more than ever, that Nicole Hot has some demon blood in her. I think she, in some capacity, you know, if Waverly is an angel, she is a devil of some of some sort. I'm not sure. I just feel that she is so intertwined with Waverly's storyline. She's Adam. She's the opposite of an angel. She's the devil. I just keep thinking that that's where they're going with it. So those are my predictions, and those are my thoughts on the episode. 
other things to talk about. Oh, one more thing. Ah, Charlie. So we had Doc in this episode, and he was inhabited by Maeve. And whilst under the influence of Maeve, he lost control and he killed Charlie. And did I see Charlie's death coming soon? No, I didn't. I can't really say that I did. But I do think that they did a good job of developing this character because when he died, I did absolutely feel Nicole's rage towards Doc, mis the misplaced rage towards Doc. And I, I definitely think it's going to be really, there's a lot to see happen in episode 11 where Waverly has the hard conversation with Nicole. Hey, I gotta be a stone to save the world. And Winona finds out that her picture-perfect normalcy has yet again been torn from her. These are gonna be really big factors and that's kind of like something I'm really looking forward to seeing be close, uh, the, the, tie, the ends being tied up within the story being pushed along. Anyways, so those are my predictions. Those are my thoughts on this episode. I thought this was a great episode. I really enjoyed watching it. And thank you, everybody, for joining me to this week on the, on the podcast. I look forward to seeing anyone in the Manhattan area who manages to make it down this week. It's going to be so great. Thank you all for listening. This is Jen. Have a great night. Good night. Thanks for listening. And if you want to take us on the go, we are now available on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. And if you want to slide on over to Twitter, make sure you find us at whatabout underscore dad. Hope to see you soon.